Well, if you have a, a Bible with you this morning, please turn with me back to Psalm 136, the psalm that I began our service with this morning. Psalm 136, and verse 1 says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And uh, our subject this morning is giving thanks to God, giving thanks to God. You know, when you have uh, children, one of the first things that you want to teach your children is what we often call their P's and Q's, isn't it? You want your children, rather than snatching something and taking something and grabbing it, to say please, to ask nicely for it. Likewise, when they receive something, you want them to say thank you. You want them to instill, you want to instill within them, don't you, that gratefulness and that spirit of thankfulness for the things that they have and that have been given to them. And that's why boys and girls write thank you cards, don't they? You write to show how thankful you were perhaps for a birthday present or the things that you received at Christmas. And uh, let me just say this to the boys and girls here this morning, it's good to say thank you. It's good to say thank you for the things that you have received and been given. However, in one of the books of the Bible, in 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, he paints a graphic picture of what the last days would be like in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he calls these, these days perilous times. And he begins to list what people will be like in those perilous times, what people will be like in these last days. And he gives a list of sins and characteristics that will mark such people. In verse 2 he says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. And then he says this, unthankful. Unthankful. People in the last days, in these perilous times, would be unthankful. And I think that, to a certain degree, we're seeing more and more of this today, aren't we? Despite all the manifold blessings that we receive, despite all the the good things that we enjoy, despite all our wealth and all our possessions and our affluence, people generally in society today are so unthankful. Instead, we see a spirit of expectancy, don't we? Children expect to have you know, the latest phone or tablet. Adults expect the government to bail out their business and supply their every need. Workers expect certain conditions and rights in the workplace. There's this air of constant entitlement. And the attitude today that is if you don't get it, then you complain about it. We always want something, don't we? Always want more, and if we don't get it, well, let's just tell the world, let's put it out on social media, let everyone know just how unhappy I am with the customer service in in the local coffee shop. And we see this attitude of just unthankfulness everywhere, don't we? Even in the most privileged. How often do we hear people who, who enjoy the most wonderful blessings complaining about their lot in life? And while we see this displayed so clearly towards one another, there is a greater unthankfulness in the world. And that's an unthankfulness towards God. But here in Psalm 136, the psalmist is determined not to fall into that same sin. He's determined not to be unthankful to God for all the blessings that he receives, for all the good things that God has given to him. Now, we didn't have time this morning to read through the whole of this psalm, but 
I'd encourage you when you go home this afternoon to read through it, read all the things that the psalmist lists here, because he lists one after another various things that he was going to praise and thank the Lord for. And after each item, he, he says, he gives his reason. He says, for his mercy endureth forever. It's because of the mercy of God that we enjoy all these blessings. And that phrase becomes, as it were, the chorus of this it's psalm. It's repeated throughout verse 2. O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Over and over again, he says, it's because of God's mercy, his love, his kindness to us. And this morning, I want to just as it were, just run through very quickly this psalm and highlight some of the things that the psalmist lists for us here that he gives thanks for. And I want us to see that in our own lives that these are the things that we should be giving thanks, constantly praising God, thanking God for the things that he provides for us. And the first thing that you notice here that he gives thanks in verses 1 through to verse 3, he gives thanks for who God is. He says in verse 1, he is good. And we thought about this a few weeks ago. We thought a little bit about what it means for God to be good. God is intrinsically good. He is essentially good. He's perfectly good. This goodness is his very nature we were thinking about. His goodness itself, isn't he? He is the God who is good and doeth good, Psalm 119 tells us. And all that is good comes from God because God is good. And the psalmist also mentions here his mercy that we just uh, said a moment ago. His mercy endureth forever. And uh, again, that word mercy there, you'll find if you have a different translation, it's often translated in different ways because there's so much bound up in that, in that Hebrew word that's translated as mercy. It speaks of God's love and his compassion and his kindness. It speaks of God's disposition to relieve sinners and to save them. It speaks of his readiness to forgive and to pardon. It speaks of God's willingness to bestow his gifts bountifully, to pour out his blessings on people time and time again. And the psalmist says, look, this mercy of God, it's not like our emotions, which are altered by circumstances in which change. One minute we may be sad, one minute we may be happy, but no, God's mercy, it endureth forever. It's an everlasting mercy. It goes on, it goes on, it goes on, it never changes. And the impression that the psalmist gives here is that God's goodness and mercy is like a a fountain that never runs dry. It can never be shut up. You cannot turn the tap of God's goodness and his mercy off. And the psalmist says, look, I'm going to give him thanks for this. This is what he's like. He says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And he says here, look, he is the God of gods. In verse 2, he is the Lord of Lords. In in verse 3, there's none higher than him. There's none more supreme than God's. He says, look, thank the Lord that he's not mean, he's not unkind, he's not unfeeling. But he loves his people. You see, our God is, is no Scrooge, is he? But he's benevolent and he's gracious and he's kind. And the psalmist, in a sense, says to us here, look, whatever name for God you want to give, whatever you care to think of about God, whatever title you want to ascribe to God, whatever attribute of God you think about, lift up his name and praise him and thank him for who he is. And so the psalmist here, he gives thanks firstly for who God is, but then secondly, in verse 4, he gives thanks and praise to God for what he does. 
Notice what it says there in verse 4. To him who alone doeth great wonders. And really the rest of the psalm is taken up with thinking about some of the great wonders that God has done in, in time past, particularly in the history of Israel. He reflects on creation and he reflects upon the night of the Passover, for example, and how the Lord had given great victories to the Israelites over certain kings, famous kings, as he calls them in verse 18. But we should point out that the Lord is, is always doing great wonders. He's saving sinners. He's building his church. He's preserving his people and guarding his people and watching over his people. And of course, he will take them all to glory to be with him. It's God alone who is doing great wonders. But of course, there's one wonder, there's one moment in history that we must especially consider that the psalmist is alluding to here, he's looking forward to, and that was the giving of his son, the giving of the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. Remember, he is the son of God who is very God, as we were thinking about last, a few, well, last week, that he came, that he stepped into this sin-cursed world. And the prophet Isaiah reminds us, doesn't he, that his name would be called Wonderful. He is the greatest wonder that God has ever done in giving his only begotten son. And of course, not only did he just give his son and his son came into the world, but he, he then went to Calvary and he died that awful death. He went to the cross. And of course, his death was an atoning death. That's a wonder, isn't it? That the Lord Jesus Christ died so that he might make atonement for us and friends this morning do we give thanks for this great wonder i think as christians we become almost sort of numb to it jesus came jesus died i'm saved we, and we sort of lose the wonder of it it's a, it's god who alone doeth great wonders and of course when god sent his son it was all because of his goodness it was all because of his mercy his everlasting mercy his mercy which endureth forever. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, didn't he, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Remember the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He, he reflected on this and gave thanks. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15, he says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You see, Paul realized that he had to be thankful for this. Thankful for Christ, for Christ coming into this world, the greatest wonder this world has ever seen. But then we move on into verse 5 through to verse 9, because we have a third thing that the, the psalmist gives thanks for, because he thanks God not only for who God is and for what he does, but then he thanks God for his creation. Look at verse 5, to him that by wisdom made the heavens... Verse 6, to him that stretched out the earth and so on. He speaks of how God and his, his wisdom did all of these things, how he stretched out the earth above the waters and he placed the sun, the great lights, the sun to rule by day in verse 8 and the moon and the stars to rule by night in verse 9. The world that we live in is such a beautiful place, isn't it? It's marred by sin, yes, but there's a remarkable beauty to this world. There's a remarkable, uh, when we see the design and we see everything that God's made, there's something wonderful about it. I was thinking about this just this past week, about the diversity that there is on this planet. 
Imagine a world where there was only one kind of tree and one kind of bird and one kind of fish and one kind of insect. It would be, it'd be a very boring world, wouldn't it? But God has, has, has filled this earth with so much diversity and complexity. Imagine if there was only one season or there was only one only day instead of night and there was no variation. There was no hot and cold, no wet and dry. Or imagine if this world had no colour. Imagine if there was just one colour throughout this world. Everything was grey. Grey birds, grey sky, you know, grey trees, everything grey grass. It would be so boring. But God in his, his, his mercy and his goodness has given us such a wonderfully complex world to enjoy. And yet not only as we look at this world do we see this complexity and this diversity, but we see order. And we see control at the same time, don't we? It's a world that is changing, yes, but all, this, all the time it's being sustained by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who, isn't he, upholds all things by the word of his power. And he does so because he is good. And his mercy endureth forever. And friends, this morning are we thankful to God for this ordered and this beautiful creation? Are we thankful to God that he made this world with all its diversity and its complexity? And do we praise him for upholding it and sustaining it? Some of us were just talking a moment ago about the the fuel crisis and so on and and people panic buying and so on. But isn't it amazing that there isn't more of it in the world? There isn't more panic and there isn't more people, things out of control. But there is often order. We should thank God for the order and the control that there is so often in this world. It's because of God's grace, isn't it? Because of his love to this world and his mercy and his compassion upon the world that he's made. But the psalmist moves on from the creation. And in verse 10, really through to the end of the chapter, he thinks about God's providence, particularly from verse 10 down to verse 22. And the psalmist here now, he begins to look back over the history of Israel and as the psalmist so often does, he's reminding the people of all the the wonderful things that God has done in the past. And he draws attention to certain notable events in in the life of the nation. He reflects, for example, on the Exodus in verse 10 from Egypt. He reflects upon the dividing of the Red Sea in verse 13. He reminds them of their victories over Sihon and Og in verses 18, 19 and 20. Famous kings, famous battles, and yet they were defeated. He reminds them in verse 21 how the Lord had given them the land of Canaan to dwell in. What a wonderful provision that was for for his people. And as the psalmist reflects on, on God's dealings with them in the past, he exhorts them to thank the Lord. Think about your history. Think about all that God has done. Remind yourself of all these wonderful things and give thanks to God. He's been good. He's been merciful. He had displayed his abundant loving kindness to them, hadn't he? When you actually think back over the history, the psalmist has skipped out all their sin. He's skipped out all their rebellion. He's, he's glossed over the fact that so often that God's people rebelled against God and they did not deserve any of these victories. They didn't deserve any of God's mercy. But God in his abundant goodness had preserved them and kept them. And so he doesn't want them to forget what the Lord has done. But instead he says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. And friends, this morning, do we ever stop and give thanks to the Lord for the various ways which God has in his kindness and mercy dealt with us? Do we ever stop and 
look back and try and trace the hand of God's providence in our lives. Trace his providence in various situations and then turn that around in praise and thankfulness to him. Let me just give you a practical example. You know, when you've traveled a long way, you've been on a long journey, perhaps you've been on holiday, you've been in the car, when you get to the end of the journey, do you stop and praise God that he's preserved you and he's kept you? Do we ever thank him for his care and protection on, as we travel on the roads? It's a very simple thing. But we should look back and reflect on God's providence. Or what about when we get a new job, or we, we get a new house, or we get married, all these things, the Lord's provision for us. Do we give thanks? Our lives should be, as we said at the start, marked by that thankfulness and that gratefulness. So often we just take these things for granted, don't we? We walk out of one job and we get another one and we just almost expect it. We sell our car, we buy another one, we just expect it. But all these things are given to us by God. And maybe there's situations in your life where you can particularly see the providence of God. Maybe he's preserved you from some sin. Maybe he's protected you in some special way. And you can see God's hand. Do you ever stop and say, I thank the Lord. I remember a preacher coming to our church when, we were, when I was a child. And he was um, late to the meeting. And a lady had phoned him up before he was driving to the meeting. And he'd been on the phone and, and he had set a time, I need to be you know, out of the house by half past, whatever it was. And this lady had been on the phone talking and talking and talking. And five minutes had gone and he was trying to get this lady to wrap up. And eventually after ten minutes he managed to get it wrapped up and he ran out the door. And he jumped into the car and he went off. And he got caught in a big traffic jam. And he saw a police lady walking past his car and he said, excuse me, madam, what's, what's, what's happened? She said, there's just been a crash. He said, well, you know, when did it happen? She said, 10 minutes ago. And he said he, he, he reflected on that as he was driving, that you know, if that lady hadn't have kept him on the phone for 10 minutes, perhaps it would have been him in that car crash. And do we, do we ever do that in our lives? Do we ever stop and think about why certain things happen, that these are all planned and controlled by God and his providence, and we should give thanks? And that was an obvious example, but... Sometimes we don't see these things until we look back, do we? And, we? and perhaps we can see over the last five years how the Lord's been leading us and guiding us to this particular point or to this particular job or to this particular person. And the psalmist here says, look, look back at the providence of God and say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. There's something else that the, the psalmist draws our attention to here in this psalm that we're to give thanks for. You just jump down to verse 25. We're to give thanks to God for food. Of course, this is our harvest service. We are remembering particularly that the Lord provides for us and, and the harvest has been gathered in. He says here, who giveth food to all flesh. This is our harvest thanksgiving service this morning. And we look back, don't we, and we thank the Lord for another year. When the crops have been gathered in another year, when God has remained faithful to that promise that we reflected on a moment ago, that while earth remaineth, that sea time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. This is another year that, as we read in Psalm 65, that the Lord has crowned of his goodness. Another year when he's visited the earth and watered it. And he says here that God provides food for all flesh. 
If you go over just a few psalms into Psalm 147, it echoes this very thought, expresses it in a slightly different way, but the same thought is, is carried on here, how the Lord provides food for all his creatures. Verse 7 says this, Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. There's the same psalmist is reflecting on the same thing here. Giving thanks. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God, who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. Yeah, that's a wonderful verse there, that verse 9. You know that the raven was an unclean animal in Scripture. And yet we have here the young raven, the little the baby raven, as it were, the juvenile raven. When it cries, God hears it. Even the unclean animals are fed by God. And of course, Jesus reminded us of this, didn't he, in that passage we read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. He says there, how about the fowls of the air, didn't he? How he points to the birds. And he said there, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? He points to the birds that are just flying overhead. Do you see them? They don't worry about tomorrow. They don't, they don't have to think about where their food's coming from because the Lord provides. And friends, this morning we should be thankful to God for our food, shouldn't we? Just on again on another practical note, do we give thanks when we sit down for a meal? Do we pray and say thank you and just bow our heads and thank the Lord for his goodness and mercy in, in providing us with the things that we need to eat? It's he that made the rain to fall. It's he that made the sun to shine so that we could have our foods. Perhaps we pray at home for our food. But do we pray when we're out, for example? Do we pray when we're in a restaurant? Do we pray when we're having a picnic? Do we pray when other people can see us? Or are we afraid to pray? And the Bible tells us that we should pray all the time. We should give thanks all the time for our foods. And of course, Christ has set us the pattern for this, hasn't he? He gave thanks for food. Do you remember uh, when he was alone with the disciples in the upper room at that last supper? It tells us that he took bread and gave thanks. And break it. Mark tells us in his gospel that he did the same with the cup, that he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And Christ did it privately, but he also did it publicly. You remember when he came to the feeding of the 5,000? And he had those five loaves and two fish. The gospel writers tell us that, that he blessed that bread. But John six eleven says that Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. I mean, you can't get any more public than doing it in front of 5,000 people, can you? But you see, the, the Lord Jesus Christ sets us the example. When we sit down for a food, give thanks to God, because he is the one who giveth food to all flesh. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. But there's one final thing that I want us to notice from this psalm this morning, that the, that the psalmist encourage us to give thanks for. And you'll notice that I jumped over two verses Verses 23 and 24. And the theme that's prevalent here in these verses is that the psalmist tells us that we're to give thanks to God for redemption. Give thanks for redemption. You notice what he says in verse 23. Who remembered us in our lower states. Verse 24. And hath redeemed us from our enemies. And why again? 
that his mercy endureth forever. He says, look, you know, God had delivered Israel, hadn't he, out of their lower states. There was many occasions when, when Israel was low. There was many occasions when they had sinned against God and they were oppressed and they were cast down. They were overrun by their enemies, but the Lord had remembered them. And when he had remembered them, he had also redeemed them. And friends, this is, this is true for us if we're Christians here this morning, isn't it? The Lord saw us in our low estate, as it says here. He saw us spiritually low. We were bankrupt, weren't we? But God saw us in our sin. He saw us oppressed by Satan, and he remembered us. You just pause there, that verse 23, who remembered us. That word remembered is such a wonderful word. It's so pregnant with, with thought there. We haven't time this morning to sort of go off in all the different avenues that that word conjures up. But when we think of remembering, remembering is the opposite of forgetfulness. Remembering involves thinking and taking an interest. And the Lord remembered us. He did not forget us, but he thought of us. He remembered us and he took an interest in us and he set his love upon us. Psalm 40 puts it in a very different way. He says, I am poor and needy, but the Lord thinketh upon me. He thinks about me. And you see, even though we were sinners, even though we were low and we were poor and we were destitute of anything lovely, the Lord looked down from heaven and he thought of us and remembered us. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That God, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, should look down from heaven and remember us. We've already spoken of God sending his son. And it was Christ, of course, who paid that redemption price, wasn't it? It was he who saved us and lifted us out of our sin. He paid the price to lift us up out of our low estates so that we might even be called the sons of God. And, of course, Christ paid it with his own precious blood. That was the redemption price. It's in him, isn't it, that we have redemption through his blood. You see, sin was our enemy, Satan was our enemy, death was our enemy, but he's redeemed us from them all. He has redeemed us from our enemies. His friends, tonight, friends, this morning, I should say, here is the greatest reason why we should give thanks to God. Yes, we give thanks for the food that we eat. Yes, we give thanks for creation. Yes, we give thanks for this beautiful world. Yes, we give thanks for his providence in our lives. But we should give the greatest thanks for his goodness in saving us. Praise God and thank God that in his goodness and in his eternal mercy, he's remembered us and he's redeemed us. Just as I close this morning, though, I want to challenge you. Can you give thanks for this? Can you give thanks for God's remembrance and his redemption? Can you give thanks for what Christ has done in your life? The question is, do you know Christ as your redeemer? Do you know him as the one who has saved you? That's, that's the question. Do you know what it is to have been lifted out of your lower states, out of your sin? Are you someone who can say, I'm redeemed, I'm saved, I can take this verse. Yes, he's redeemed me from mine enemies, and his mercy endureth forever. Can you say that? If you can't say that this morning, just let me point you for a moment to Christ. It's he that came, it's he that went to the cross, it was him that was pierced, it was him whose blood flowed, and it was him that died, and he died so that he might redeem sinners. Sinners. 
The wonderful thing is he came to redeem sinners just like you, just like me this morning. Those who are in our lowest states. And the thing is we can know what it is to be redeemed when we come and we repent of our sin and we trust in him. Then we know what it is to be saved, to be redeemed, that price to be placed, as it were, to our account. Friends, this morning, have you done that? Have you come and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? When you do, then you can give thanks and you'll be able to say, the Lord is good. And his mercy, his love, his compassion, his kindness, it's been shown to me, it endures forever, even to me. And you say, oh, I'll give thanks unto the Lord. Well, I trust this morning that each one of us here can truly give thanks unto the Lord for all of these things, but especially for that redemption in Jesus Christ.